Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Today, my guest is a mastering engineer, and uh, that's the first for the podcast we've had on artists, had comedians on, and uh, just all various forms of art, but we'll get into the nitty-gritty with this episode. Oh, yeah. Today, my guest is Matthew Wolk. Matthew Wolk Mastering. Glad to be here. Hell yeah. So let's start from the very beginning. Your your website's very extensive with uh, your background, and I'd, I'd love you. to just you. hear you say it live on air. <laughs> All right. How how far back we going? Like before, where were you born? Where was I born? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Were you born in Seattle? I'll give the uh, the short little story on how I got to Seattle. So I was born in L.A. Um, we moved from L.A. to North Idaho when I was five. So I really have no recollection. I don't remember anything of L.A. Mm-hmm. Parents wanted to get out of there after the the '94 earthquake and um, just get rid of all the get out of the crime and all of that. So moved up to North Idaho, um, small little town, Post Falls, Coeur d'Alene area. If you know okay. where that's yeah, at, yeah, yeah. Super, super green and forests and and uh, just low key everything compared to LA. So <laughs> had a great childhood. You know, grew up nice neighborhood, cul-de-sac, um, and. Um, so how I got into mastering was it was in high school. So I started to get into music pretty, pretty heavily and I started DJing Oh shit! Um, and not like a good DJ. I just was just dabbling with like being a, you know, like an iTunes DJ and hit and play at a party oh, and like starting to build up the equipment and to, to really get into it. Can and you scratch though? I was getting to the point where I was wanting to get into some of that stuff mm-hmm. and at that point was when I was like 18 getting ready to, to go to school. Um, and I decided to go to the art Institute of Seattle. Um, basically what got me into it was like, how the hell are people making like all these crazy sounds? Like, you know, EDM was super huge mm-hmm. when, when I was like 18. So now what, what, what year was that roughly? Around? Uh, 2012. Okay. Yeah. So I was super intrigued by like how they make music. So I was like, okay, well, what do I want to do? Like, oh, let's let's see what music's about. And found the Art Institute, and they offer like recording and mixing and production. So, uh, went for it and moved out here um, a year later when I was nineteen, and been here ever since. Um, the Art Institute was a wild experience. Basically, they teach you everything of recording, production, mixing. They don't teach you mastering, which I'll get into that later. Um, sound design, um, live sound. And it was towards the end of, uh, like my third year, like the last year of school, we, or the, the last year we had there and our instructor, it was one of these advanced mixing classes and he gave us, he decided, um, okay, so today we're going to talk about mastering. He's like, we don't teach it here because Mm. it's the dark arts and (laughs) you guys need to learn the ways of the force before you become a Jedi is basically what he was saying. And I'm like, what the hell is this mastering thing? So he gave us a four hour introductory of like, here's how you can safely master your own music and your own mixes. And I got hooked. I'm like this, there's way more to this than what he's saying. He just gave us the basics just so we don't screw things up. Mm -hmm. And so from that point on, I just started like doing my own research, uh, deep diving it, bugging him like, hey, can you teach special topics on mastering? I want to know more. I want to know more. Um, And so nothing really came of that. So I started um, looking into like internships and 
pretty much everything in Seattle. Yeah, in Seattle, there's there was like three top studios around here at the time. They're still around, um, and they're kind of like my competition at this point. Ooh. But wanted to intern at a place because I honestly, so I had no intention of doing my own thing. That is what it is now. I had no intention of like building my own studio and starting my own mastering company. I didn't want to do that because it's crazy expensive. It's really hard to break into at a young age. And so I wanted to intern somewhere and like kind of magically ride, you know, ride the the train on up and like have somebody train me and teach me the ways. And that's just not how it works. So kind of got rejected and turned down on most of the uh, internship inquiries and even just like, hey, can can I come over sometime and, and see the studio? Even and with like, your like college background? Yeah. No, I mean... At the time, so after I graduated was when I was trying to get all this going. Mm -hmm. And I was working kind of like 40 hours a week, full-time day job. I worked like really weird hours, like 11 to to 8. And so like everybody would be out of the studio by that time or in the morning. They're busy with clients. So like nobody mm -hmm. really had the time to have me over. And so I'm like, all right, well, I guess if no one's going to, you know, take me on or show me the ropes, I guess I got to do this on my own. And so seven years in the making as of this as of today it's like hell yeah here we are just teaching my myself you know failing a lot um, learning what to do right what what to do wrong and, and going from there so it's been a been a hell of a journey <laughs> so with college is there any jobs that you were looking to get out after like finishing college like what are some after taking all those classes what do like the professors say that you can career fields you can go into after that yeah so Man, that's that's a tough one. Um, it's basically like anything you can get. So the first day when I started school, which it it was kind of like it should have been like a red flag, like leave now. <laughs> um, one of the deans of like the audio program, he's like, hey, so there's like 30, 30 of us in the room. And he's like, out of all of you guys in this room, how many of you guys when you're done with school want to work in a recording studio, like start your own studio, you know, do music every day and work with bands and of course everyone raises their hands and bring the mic a little closer by the way yeah um so everyone raises the hand their hands and including myself I'm like oh yeah hell yeah that's what i came here for and mm -hmm. then he's like you're all fools what? and i'm like okay eighty thousand dollars what, what am i doing at this school so he right. basically like day one warned us like that's not gonna happen you're gonna get corporate jobs you're gonna hustle if you want to do that you're going to have to, like, find your own way to those studios. We're all young and dumb. We didn't believe him. But sure enough, you know, where I'm up my last year of school, um, career placement, uh, lady's like, okay, so we've got a Amazon needs AV support. There's Microsoft. They need some, like, you know, part-time stuff for, for events. I'm like, what the hell? Like, we went to school for audio. What is this? Oh, God. And so... We, I had a friend who, who worked doing the AV support at Amazon, so I took that. Um, what is AV support? Basically, Amazon has like a bunch of conference rooms and event spaces, and their teams have like, they have big events, and they need like wireless microphones and people to help run sound. So it's like and, stage management, yeah, basically. basically <laughs> yeah, like, oh, the projector's not working. Like, hey, can, can you fix Tech it? Support. It's like, so I did that for five years while building up mastering and i just as of six months ago uh made the leap quit and oh. have jumped into this full time and it's it's 
been amazing so far. That's awesome. Yep. So what was it like working for Amazon? Like, did you enjoy it at all or were you hating every minute or? It was tough. It, it's definitely a mindset. You have to like, you have to get your head around like, oh my God, I'm doing a day job that I, that I don't want to do. I went to school for, for music, but, um, a guy I worked with who he was higher up in the ranks and he, he's also like a music guy. Most of the people on the team were, were music guys. And he's like, I know you don't like this right now. And this is not going to be your full-time thing. And this is not, you know, you're not going to be here for 25 years of your life or your career, but mm-hmm. the time that you're here, learn from these people because they're some of the smartest people like you'll ever be around. And yeah, you're on the AV team and you're not the one doing all this crazy invention and things like that. But if you absorb and take away like what, what you hear in some of these meetings and some of these events and put that into your own business and your own life, it, you, the, the sky's the limit. So I'm like, okay, well let me make the most of like my time here. And I think I didn't like go in there proactively. Like, let me like listen to every single meeting and see how I can make my business just like Amazon. But was Jeff Bezos there ever? I actually was partly like direct support for Jeff Bezos. Oh shit. It was really nerve wracking, but <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I just kind of absorbed what I could and like kind of learned business sides of things and use that. Like, how can I implement that into, into my situation? Like Amazon's huge on leadership principles and, you know, like invent and simplify and customer obsession. Those are things that they're like their core values. So it's like, okay, well, how can I invent and simplify on my end with like mastering or how can I be customer obsessed? So Mm -hmm. just kind of taking those things into my own situation and helping better, better my business and, and things like that. Is art school a scam then? Like, could you learn everything that you learned at your school on YouTube? (laughs) No. Okay. Okay. So let me talk about YouTube for a minute. (laughs) so I guess specifically towards mastering um, you know people who are putting out these YouTube videos there's there's so much there's there's a lot of people doing it so you really have to like filter down and find out who's actually saying like the valuable stuff and the pros and the people who are like you know winning the Grammys every year or, or charting on the on iTunes like they're not making the videos mm so it's like, okay, well, if you want to figure out how to be like an industry standard of like, you know, a mix engineer or producer, like you might not be getting the right information on YouTube because you're learning from somebody who's doing YouTube videos like every week because they're monetizing on that to make money. So they are sometimes saying the right things and the right uh, procedures, but oftentimes it's just like the context of some of the tips that they're teaching you is is not correct. Mm. Um, that's a very vague answer, but you, no, you have to be very cautious with YouTube where with um, going to like a, a college or, or any kind of program that's specialized in music production, like you're learning from instructors and professors who have had 20 plus years in the game. They, they know what they're doing and they can kind of teach you um, the the things that you won't find on YouTube, if if that makes sense. So was it worthwhile for you to go to school, or like, because you're focusing on mastering? Yeah, yeah. So I've always been questioning that myself. Cause I'm like, <laughs> well, I went to school for all, all of this, but I ended up somehow getting into mastering, which was not taught. 
but mastering's kind of the the final stage in like the music production process so learning everything before that is is very important to like if 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 i didn't know recording and mixing and how things should sound there's no way i'd be able to do mastering because i wouldn't have the you know the grasp of like oh here's a mix here's the balance that you need to listen for and like the kick needs to hit like this and the vocals sit here so things like that really help me um kind of like grasp the whole mastering situation and i guess we should back up just so people who are listening can understand like the the process so mastering is the last step um so my analogy that i always give people with uh making music so there's like three main steps and it's like baking a cake Mm -hmm. um and this is the very dumbed down version so when you're going to make a cake you have to first get your ingredients go to the store you know so that's recording you're getting you know if, if you're doing live drums you're going to the studio you're recording your drums you're getting your bass your guitars like synths vocals background vocals you got all your ingredients the stems. flour sugar eggs you know so then once you have everything you need that's recorded so now you're in the mixing phase so that's literally mixing it all together and getting your your batter nice and and good and then when you're you're feeling good about it tastes good you you export your mix and that's like you throw the cake in the oven and it comes out just a plain, you know, plain white cake Mm -hmm. or chocolate cake, if you will. (laughs) Um, So what's after that? It's like, okay, well, if the goal of the cake is to get it into the window, window seal to be sold, that's like, okay, you're going to make a song. You want it to be just distributed on Spotify or whatever. So the final stage is getting it presentable for whoever wants to buy the cake. So that's mastering. It's, putting the frosting the you know the sprinkles the happy birthday whatever like you know the final put it in the <clears> window <throat> seal it's a cake um so that's the the very basic like if you don't know anything about music or anything you can think of it like that i always like to give a second um explanation the it's the stuff in between the lines that people don't realize is what what makes good mastering so it's you know you can easily anybody can go to youtube and learn you know they can learn basic mastering techniques but it's the things like you know if you work with an artist um consistently so like for instance anna thompson i've worked with her on like everything she's ever put out so there's there's something to be said about that is you you kind of like become familiar with like certain things in their music that you know need to be corrected or smoothed out so like okay Anna's vocals certain frequencies need to be kind of like tamed or certain frequencies need a little push so like the in between the lines of like the mastering side is you you work with people regularly you work with you know the same mixing engineers quite often and you get to kind of learn their mixes learn their songs like learn the artist's voice and and figure out where it needs to go and and you just start like remembering and and knowing like how you need to get that song it's a relationship song across the finish line yeah so it's like yeah i can easily just slap on some some plugins or some processing on someone's song and then call it mastered but it's it's that stuff that like most people don't think about or what you won't learn on youtube is um, the experience of it, I guess. Right. I thought mixing and mastering was like a bundle. Like if you if you're going into a studio or wherever, people know 
You have a mixer, mixing and mastering guy. Yeah. So that's the unfortunate thing for, for me being specialized is I I could easily, you know, do my own. I can offer mixing and mastering easily because I was formally trained on that in school. But mm-hmm. I personally didn't like mixing. I wasn't that good at it. I could, you know, get by for for my projects. But there were so many people in my class who were just like really really fucking good at it i'm like damn what am i gonna do because if like the industry is already saturated with so many people doing everything then mm-hmm. it's like well you gotta kind of find what you're best at and so that's why i moved towards mastering and then what kills me is like you know it took me seven years to get to the point of like just barely getting by doing it full time and that's because everybody's doing everything there's you know, jack of all trades, master of none. Everywhere you look, there's somebody who's a producer, engineer, mixer, and mastering engineer. It's like, pump the brakes. <laughs> Find what you're the best at. Like, if you're really good at producing, just do the producing. Like, so no one's like 100% well-rounded, yeah. do you feel? it? There's some people who do, like, everything who are actually pretty good at it, which, like, power to them. Like, you are, you are like a unicorn. But honestly, like... I won't mention names and I don't want to like get flack, but like there's a lot of people in Seattle who are like, you know, producers, engineers doing everything. They are not good at mastering. And I feel like I can say that being specialized in this and having spent seven years just focused on that. Like I can hear right away when I go and like listen to the final product. I'm like, well, there's like this, this and this with the master that I hear that could have been better if they would have sent off to somebody else and the main thing is perspective you you don't have the fresh perspective um when you're doing it all on your own so if uh i got a good example for this and i think i think alex and anna will be okay with me telling the story and (laughs) you had alex on uh fluency a couple couple weeks ago so perfect situation of not having the perspective so Alex and Anna had have been work they had been working on their uh, they just put out a new song yeah too. yep I, I did that one so they had been working on their or her EP for eight or so months before I even got any of the songs and so I had just worked with her on get me high with with Jay Crocker and that one just kind of blew up and and like took off so she was trying to like follow that up with the next single which um i don't remember what which one it it was going to be released but she ended up sending me uh telepathically and she's like so i'm working with uh fluency and at the time like i think i only did one one song for him for a different artist and she's like uh i really like the song it sounds good but there's just like something about it it just doesn't it doesn't compare to like what we've already done and She's like, I'm referencing Ariana Grande, and like, it just doesn't sound like it's there yet. And so she's like, can I send you it? Um, and then like, let me know what you think of the master. Because he, at the time, he didn't really have a dedicated mastering guy. He just kind of did everything on his own, and he's he's pretty decent at it. So he was just, you know, getting the song across the finish line. And so she sends it to me, and right away I hear exactly what the issue was. It was, you know, he just, he didn't have that perspective he had been working on it for way too long so like the thing was it was super resonant in the in the mid the low mid range like with the background vocals and the instrumentation so it was kind of just masking her vocals and they were kind of sounding dull and not really like you know shiny pop songs so 
she's like, yeah, if, if you want to give it a shot and then, you know, if it sounds better, I think we'll just go with you for the rest of the project. So she <laughs> sends me the mix. And then like uh, a day later, I send it back to her and she's like, oh my God. Okay. Yeah. We're going with you. Like, and it, it's nothing against Alex or his mastering ability. It's more or less when you've worked on a song for eight months and you've been the producer recording, you know, mixing and doing God knows what else to the song. When you get to that point of like, all right, now let's master it. You have no fresh perspective on that song. Like you can, you can put some processing and try and like get it to sound mastered, but it's like, just like what I was saying, it's the stuff in between the lines. It's like, well, you know, right away, my first impressions and my first instincts was like, oh, this is the main issue. It's just like, it's too resonant here. Clear that up, add a little bit of more sheen to her vocal and it just popped and that was it. Can you break down the definitions for people what the difference is between mixing and mastering? I know Stella Marr and Nicholas kind of yeah. explained it, but that's from an artist perspective. Um, so mixing is, it's very granular and this is why I don't like it. It's just too too specific you know it's like okay you're you're you know you start with your drums and your bass and you're trying to like get the the kick and the bass to kind of fit well together not overpower each other have enough room for everything and then you kind of start building upon that with your vocals and the the guitars and synths and it's just kind of like balancing each little thing in your song so like and that's very vague because you can have i don't know i in today's age, I'm not sure like how many stems people are working with because I don't mix, but you know, you can have 20 tracks in a mix or you can have 200. So it really just depends on the song. Does one make better? Than, does like more stems make a song better or I think, worse? Um, less is more is always a good approach. So, I mean, if you have 200 elements in a, in a mix, like <laughs> this, it could be a killer mix and there might just be little things here and there on their own tracks. But I think the less you can do to make the song sound great, the better. And that's, you know, I do a lot of work with Jay Crocker and then like that, that's his thing. Like he produces incredible productions, but like if, if you see some of his breakdown videos, they're very minimal. It's just like kick 808, you know, a little bit of synth bass and then just some little tasteful elements of like instrumentation. So mixing is, is figuring out all of the mess. Okay. which I just didn't want to deal with because I wasn't good at it. And then, you know, you get into like constant revisions and I can't tell you how many mixes I've been sent where it says like version 42. And okay. I'm like, I'm glad I'm not doing that. Does that like, take away from the art? Do you feel like, do you like, if you're just the guy going in and changing the beat, does it, do you kind of like start not liking music and you're just looking I, at it as a tech perspective or some people just love that though. Hmm. I think for me, that's what it was is like, it just became kind of just nitpicky and mundane so I didn't want to do it I wanted to and this is the beauty of mastering is you get the mix when it's finalized and everyone's stoked on it they're like yeah the mix is done we're ready for you to master it and everyone's happy with that and basically my job is take that mix that they're in love with and just make it like 10%, 15% better. So it's just one like, solid audio line when you get it? or uh, So I, I basically, you know, you can do stem mastering which we don't need to get into that. Basically, what I do is just take the stereo file, like the left and right uh, export of that mix and just little fine tuning things like so with like Anna's song, like, OK, well, let me carefully scoop out some of the, you know, the low mids and like create some more sheen in the top end. And you're just kind of like shaping. It's just subtle shaping 
um, you know, not getting too into like the technical stuff, but like there's sometimes you got to do compression or, you know, some saturation to kind of add some vibe. And, and then, you know, at the end it's like, okay, well let's crank the level up radio ready, like loudness. And so that's basically mastering, but, and that's, you know, anyone can go on YouTube and learn those, those specific processes. It's like, okay, well, how do you start? Oh, you got to do this. And then you do that. And then you do this and you do that. That's the flaw of YouTube is, they tell you the techniques and they kind of give you like a basic, like first you do EQ then you do compression and then you do limiting. And it's like, well, it's not that straightforward. No, every song has to have its own approach. And it's like, yeah, I have like a whole desk full of gear, but the way I use the gear changes every single song or project. It's not, you know, set it and forget it, run a song through and it's mastered. But that's what a lot of people are doing who do their own mastering is. And I don't want to, I, that's just me assuming. Mm-hmm. So maybe you can probably not, you probably but, have an ear for it. You can probably I can yeah, pull I up mean, like some billboard songs and you can say this one's mastered better than another. And honestly, if if you're doing your own mastering, then that's literally what you're doing is just slapping on some stuff at the end that you think is gonna get it to sound a little bit better. In in reality, what you should do is send it to somebody who's never heard the song, who's specialized in mastering, and they will know right away what needs to be done to it. I mean, I've I've been sent mixes where I didn't have to do anything to it, but just put on a little bit of the final limiter to get the level up. Like it was that perfect. Like, but then those limiters are probably like expensive. It's not like you're just doing like a stock um, one that you get from a DAW or what. It's I mean I use what pretty much everybody else would probably use, like FabFilter Pro L, and you know the everybody's using the same tools, but it's more or less how you use the tools. And what do you need to master? You just, do you have like, you just need like FL Studios or um, Logic or whatever or what? So I have like a whole desk. I, I'm all hardware based and okay. that's just like my preference. I like the disconnect from the screen, but um, in today's age, like plugins are really, really damn good. And like, I, I have like a mobile rig that, you know, if I want to go out of town for a little bit and get away from the city, I'll, I'll master on that. And nobody knows the difference between mm-hmm. You know, if I'm working remotely or if I'm on my desk at home with like $50,000 worth of gear. So um, it's more or less find what what works best for you. Like the tools don't matter. It's how you use them. So, you know, it does matter about how you resonate with the tools, if that makes sense. So it's like, yeah. oh, eh, you know, you can try the demos. I'm like, no, I don't really like this. So you find something else that kind of does the same thing that might work better for you. And that's kind of over the years what I did is like, did a bunch of research on gear and it's like oh this seven years so i feel like you probably know you like at this point exactly so yeah i mean you you can do it on basic stock plugins in a in a daw or you can spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on the best gear in the world um what really matters is that you know what you're doing and that's my argument with people who do their own mastering it's like you might know the techniques but you just can't know what needs to be done to it if you've heard the song 400 times. So am I basically mastering my podcast every time I put it out? If I'm just throwing on, like if I'm like denoising the audio? Well, and, like, that, I mean, a that's liver, a, Or what is that? That's a different thing because, you know. <laughs> Oli's laughing over here. A podcast is like, you know, it just needs to sound clean and, you know, the levels need to be consistent. But it's right. not like music varies so much because there's you know hip-hop there's genres so it's like okay hip-hop needs to sound one way in the low end and then there's pop music and rock music everything kind of has its like signature sound 
and then you know there's different songs that will kind of challenge that but that's the other thing that specialized mastering engineers are good at is getting your songs and your mixes to be com- like competitive in those those genres and so what about in like the 1950s like are those songs mixed and mastered oh, or God. no because they sound like you know there's like the, there's a noise and everything um so back in the olden days and like the <laughs> You had horse and buggies. and sixties and seventies, like when final was kind of becoming a new thing. Because shit, back before that, it was like, oh man, I don't remember the history. I should have paid attention. Um, but no, <laughs> like mastering back in the day, it really kind of started in the in the vinyl era because, um, and it, it wasn't necessarily like a a process like what it is now. Like mastering, it was like there was dedicated people with like lab coats and rooms with you know, stacks of machinery and their main job was to, they were more of like a medium transfer engineer. So it's like, okay, well we recorded the tape, but the consumer is going to listen on these like plastic vinyl discs. So how the hell do we get it on tape onto this disc? So they basically figured out a way with all this machinery to like go from the, the tape deck and cut it into a groove on, on a disc. And there's some things that needed to happen in order for that to work. And, that's kind of where some of these techniques of like, you know, compression and, and EQ and, and the processing of, of what happens in mastering, that's kind of how it started. And then from there, it's like, okay, well, how can we make it louder on these, on, on vinyl? And like, oh, you know, we got these crazy guys who are just like experimenting and doing like wild processing moves and like finding the right things that actually work to make like the the record louder and then that gets into like the crazy loudness wars that everyone talks about and, like, yeah so there's no like yeah actual level just depends on the artist yeah. the song and... so that's kind of like where mastering started it was dedicated like transfer engineers nobody knew what the hell they were doing it's just like how did you get that on tape and onto this disc and then but does mastering sound different from like a record to a cd to a tape to a oh, yeah. streaming service or... absolutely i mean the easiest the simplest way to say it is like, okay, well, on, on, on vinyl, it's going to be kind of like warmer and more dull sounding because uh, just the vinyl medium can't really support like super tizzly, sizzly high end like we have right now in today's like pop and hip hop. Mm-hmm. Hi hats are like the enemy with, with vinyl. They just don't cut well. So everything, everything sounds like warmer and, and more full. And like, oh, honestly, a lot of people like love the sound of vinyl. And I think that's why it's coming back is it's just it's more natural like there's less compression it's just you can if you have a good hi-fi system and a good record player and you can just like get lost in it could it ruin a song then um like if you're have like a super bassy whatever hip-hop album and then you want to put that on vinyl can that actually like ruin the experience um it just depends you, you have to go to somebody who knows what they're what they're doing with like transferring it to vinyl mm-hmm. so now we don't really work with tape anymore most people don't record the tape but so now there there still are like vinyl like cutting engineers and they have these crazy like hundred thousand dollar lathes and um their job is to take it from the stereo mix file and you know put that onto onto the record but what they're actually working with is more of like a and i do offer this i just i rarely do it is a vinyl pre-master which it's um you know, it's the same concept of like you're you're mastering the mix kind of in the same way, but there's certain things you got to do a little bit differently so it'll transfer to vinyl a little mm-hmm. bit better. Um, 
and I just I don't have a lot of experience with vinyl because it's super expensive and most artists don't want to don't want to cut to vinyl I think I've only had like two or three that I've done like pre-masters for and then I send the files to them and then they go to uh, somebody who has the equipment to actually cut it and um, those guys have their own tools to like if if something that I did still wasn't to their needs they can tweak it even more to get it to go better on vinyl so right it's it's still kind of like a dark art that nobody knows <laughs> i i one day like want to sit in a room with somebody who cuts vinyl and just like sit there for eight hours master and watch class do it. yeah it's that's the one thing i just have no experience with so what do you offer like what is everything you offer on your website and um yeah so i mean it's basically just mastering i mean I, I do have like other services where I'm, I'm trying to get into like doing some uh, commercial like corporate audio work with like you know um, if they need some like noise reduction or dialogue cleanup I can do stuff like that but for the most part like eight hours a day what I'm focusing on is just mastering um, singles albums EPs um, I do have services for if you want to get something on vinyl I can help you get that prepared and then you go off to somebody else so that's that's basically it do the services change depending on the artist or the genre um not really I mean really the only change is if I if I'm working with a label it's you know a little slightly higher rates and things like that but for the most part it's it's pretty simple straightforward service how many artists have you worked with oh god oh man I have a whole archive of everything I've ever worked on and it's you know, it's pretty extenuous. Um, I don't know the number of how many artists. I know I'm about to reach a thousand songs mastered. Wow. Yeah, I have like a whole playlist that I'm trying to like, it's hard to keep tabs on it, but like, you know, when something new is released, I'll throw it on the playlist at the top and just keep it growing. And just so I can like keep tabs on everything I've done. Cause mm-hmm. it's, you know, I'll go to like a show or something and they're like, oh, hey, I'm like, oh, God, who are you? I can't remember who you were. Oh, shit, yeah, you worked with them. <laughs> that's why it's just, like, I like to be behind the scenes because I don't have to like remember everyone's face and this mm-hmm. and that. It's It's been pretty wild to have people like, you know, come up to me like, are you Matthew? I'm like, wow, like people actually know who I am. I'm not just some like shadow in the background, like working on music for people. Like that's cool. Wait, do artists need to be in the room with you at all? Or like how do, um, how do connections work for you? Not really. I mean, right now I'm not in like a big professional studio with like, you know, crazy speakers. Like honestly, right now I'm I'm in my apartment working on like the best headphones in the world. But what are the Sennhausers or whatever? No, they're uh, Audis. LCD fours, they're like four thousand dollar headphones, and I've got like that's a, crazy. Yeah, no, I've from got like Germany a, or where are they even from? I think it's a German company. Audis. I'd have to look. I used to, I should I used to that, be huge into like looking at headphones. They're wild. So like, there's there's another guy who's like a pro mastering engineer, Glenn Schick, and he he from Seattle or outside? Um, or? He's in LA, but okay. he's he's got like twenty five years experience. He's worked with like little missy like you know all of the hip-hop scene um but he used to have this big glorious studio and he kind of just sold it all and he got these pair of headphones and he was like i'm just gonna travel the world with like my laptop and these headphones and just be a digital nomad holy shit and so like i i found out what headphones he was using so i i picked those up and the main reason right now while i'm working on headphones is Mm -hmm. because i don't have a good room i don't have the best speakers so that's the other thing about mastering is you have to have a good listening situation, whether it be 
you're in a world-class studio with like $50,000 monitors and the best acoustic treatment, or, you know, in my case, I don't have that. So the next best thing is to work on headphones, eliminate the room. And basically these headphones have been like compared to like the equivalent of listening on to a $50,000 like system Damn. in a perfectly treated room. And so. do you just listen to songs on this also, or is it mainly just for work? Or? Um, I mainly just for just for work but yeah sometimes i'll you know throw them on and just listen but they're pretty heavy and annoying to to wear so i don't like just casually listen listen on them but how do you feel about beats headphones i used to have a pair when i first moved out here and they're terrible really now that, now that i have experience of like what good quality like yeah speakers and headphones sound like they're they might have gotten better but i'm talking like seven years ago is when when i had a pair so i don't know they could is there like a what's like the what's a better headphone beats that isn't like crazy expensive i guess beats are already like 200 bucks like do you think skull candies are better than Beats? honestly yeah if they're 200 bucks don't don't do that just go out and buy like look up any of the you know pro audio headphones and like Anything in that realm of like two fifty to three hundred dollars is going to be ten times better than than uh, Beats headphones. I mean, wow. Uh, I used to have a pair of these Focal. Oh man, I don't even remember what the number was, but they were they were like only a, like entry level two hundred dollar headphone, and I think I got them like when I was in school just because they were better than like the generic headphones they gave us when we like first started. But yeah, I mean anything that's a you know, you go in Sweetwater or Vintage King and you find headphones are going to be a lot better than Beats. What about those Ray J, the Ray Beats? The are they called the Rick Ray Buds? Oli, do you know what I'm talking Raycon? about? Raycon? Raycon. So, <laughs> funny story is I fell into that trap um, with, like, the whole hype of that. I'm like, oh, well, I want some wireless earbuds because I'm sick of, like, you know, the wired stuff. And I, so I got those because I didn't want to, like, oh, everyone's getting AirPod Pros. Like, screw that. I'm going to get these. They're garbage. Shout out Ray J. They're oh garbage. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> you know how Spotify on your phone, you have, you have like, the EQ setting and yeah. the playback settings? You should – oh, man, I wish – you can see how terrible of like a EQ curve. Like there's so much low end on those earbuds, it's insane. So mm. I had to like scoop everything out and like there's just no detail. So. so how do you feel about like the SoundCloud era of like a Juice World and XXX Tentacion who were able to blow up with like no mixing or mastering for their songs? That's, I mean, unicorn. I don't know how they do it. I, I mean, even, even like my brother's like really big on some of like the underground hip hop stuff and He's, I don't remember the artist he was telling me, but there was like some artist that's like huge in the, the hip hop world that does their own like production, mixing and mastering. And it's, it's pretty damn good. Like he's mm -hmm. played me the album. I'm like, he's a unicorn, man. Like that's, that's legit. But most of the time that's not the case. Like, you know, if you, and, and I guess here's something, if you're, if you're making music and you're trying to do it for, you know, to, to Glow, like blow up and you know you you want to do this full time look at what's going on in the mainstream scene it's like are they you know is Ariana Grande going to like her brother and having him you know produce mix and master in their bedroom no like she's working with some of the top producers the top engineers in the world they're going to, to the top mixing guy and they're spending 
God knows how much mix, like 10,000 plus. And then but why do you think it needs to be that expensive? Like, do you think it doesn't need to be that expensive? Mm-hmm. It's those engineers are capitalizing on the labels being able to pay that. That's the thing is those those same engineers probably have an independent rate where like, you know, if you or I were an artist and go to them, it might only be like 700 a song or something like that. Um, but they're, you know, they're going to people who are specialized in their craft. Everybody's got a different piece of that puzzle and then you know you get this glorious sounding out um everybody always talks about like billy eilish like oh they're they're Billy's. breaking the standard but yeah. like not really like yeah they recorded at home and they produced at home but they still had top mixing and mastering so look at stella marzov that one was amazing man. oh yeah i mean um shout out moses man he's incredible for like how young he is and how new relatively new to all of this he's mixing like the quality of his mixes sound like some of the people who send me mixes who have been doing it for like 10 years it's insane yeah i can't believe i had them on the podcast like i literally literally like i like asked some of my high school friends at the time i was like do you guys know any artists and one of my friends happened to know lorelei yeah i was like okay cool i don't really know much about her but oh man lorelei (laughs) oh LA's got a gold mine right down there with her. She's so damn good. So how do you feel about artists? I don't know if you get this often at all, but how do you feel about artists who say they make music for themselves? I feel like when people say that, when they're, they're just starting to make music, they're like, oh, I just make it for myself. I feel like they're saying that because either people are giving them shit or they know it's shit. But do you think they would change their mind if they had like someone to actually produce the beat and mix and mastered it? That... It's hard for me to answer because, I mean, if they're just doing it kind of like a hobby, then that's fine. But honestly, that's an expensive hobby. Um, <laughs> if you're doing music just because you, you know, you just want to put out a song for your friends and family, that's great. But if you're trying to actually make it into like a business, which that that's the thing is most people don't treat their music like a business. And um, you need to do that if you want to you know, have any kind of success in, you know, not having a day job or not, you know, doing music full time is you have to treat it like it's your business. And there's a lot of artists in, in Seattle who are doing it right. You know, marketing, promotion, all of that. You need to get into that. Obviously budget is a huge factor. Like you can't have the best of everything, but whatever works best for your budget is what needs to happen. So I can't, I can't tell you how many people like the benefit for me is like I'm a service so like I I will get paid no matter what and you know I there's always things coming in so it it will always work out for me but um I I sometimes just feel for some of these artists because they just don't have any direction and like they come to me with really great really great songs and and you know really good potential but they just don't have a way to like throw it out there and like get more people involved with it so and that's not on me to like tell them that, but you know, a lot of people just that's how they do it. They're like, I just like doing it for myself. I'm like, they, they say Spotify that, and they got one monthly yeah. listener. It's like, oh my god, this you could be so much bigger than this. I want to show you some songs after this podcast because yeah. I, I think I understand from like just even from like a listening standpoint if something's mixed and mastered. But like, I have some artists in in Seattle are like, no man, I'm telling you, I went and got this mix and mastered. And like, yeah, does that mean the their songs just bad or like I feel like 
Yeah, so, and then to defend me, like, bashing on people doing their <laughs> own uh, mixing and mastering, I know a lot of it also has to do with the artist just doesn't have the budget to right. to go to someone specialized. But there's, there's, like, the two scenarios. The artist just, you know, they don't have that funding and they don't really care. But then there's also... Um, like the the oath of the producer i guess i'll I'll, if that makes sense so you know an artist who has no experience with anything for the first time they're coming to somebody like hey i want to make a song or make an album they're coming to somebody who knows how to get that done i think it is on that person to to guide them on the correct path based on their budget to get it to be the best it can be so if you're going to take somebody who's brand new and green at this and you're going to say yeah I'm going to produce it and then we'll, you know, then we'll, I'll mix it and then I'll master it and then you'll have a song. It's like, well, you're kind of screwing the artist almost in a way because you're robbing them of the, you know, the experience of cool. Yeah. You produced it. It's fine if you produce and mix like that happens quite a bit, but at least give them the benefit of like option a, I can do the mastering if you don't want to pay for this extra cost or option B. We have a guy who just does this. He's great guy or girl. There's tons of, you know, there's a lot of women in the industry who are, who are killing it at mastering. It's like, send it, allow them to have that opportunity to experience like professional specialized mastering. Cause most people don't realize that it's two separate processes. It's just blended mixed yeah. and mastered now. Do you need good taste and like have rhythm to be able to be a master? I don't think so. Um, I'm no musician myself or like the, that's the hardest thing for me is like trying to dissect some of like the elements and like communicate with with somebody like, you know, if they, I get a mix that's not quite there and I'm like, what the hell is that instrument? Like trying to like. <laughs> it's you know, an oboe, like, man. That, that oboe. Yeah. Or like, <laughs> is that a mandolin or a guitar? I don't know. Just whatever that sparkly sound. Yeah. So it's like um, I don't think you need much of like the the musician side of things to do mastering you more or less need a really damn good ear um and you just gotta know like the categories and the genres and how things need to sound and that's uh, i'm probably just going down the wormhole here but that's the other thing is so you know artist goes to producer and they record mix master and they're stoked like yeah it sounds amazing but the other thing is like go and reference that to anything that's done like mainstream that is in the same you know same genre same feel does it sound comparable if not it wasn't pushed exactly where it needed to get mm -hmm. so it's like that's that's my beef with people who do their own mastering is it's often too safe um and that was the case with like anna's song is uh alex kind of got it to you know the safe safe good spot he didn't he didn't know really how to push it because he's just too too pulled back from it so right. when you send it to somebody who's got that fresh perspective they know you know right away what needs to be fixed and where things could be pushed and it's like okay well you know if you need to crank 40b in the top end do that um but if if you're doing your own mixing and mastering you might play it safe and like well i don't want to do 40b because that's crazy uh, i'm only going to do one and a half but in reality, that specific song could have sounded perfect with four, you know. Do you recommend artists, like, go to the producers and masters and be like, I want my song to sound like this? Like Having that... a, yeah, that's that's a really good way to do it is always have a reference. Um, 
because I mean that's that's what everyone's doing. It's like, oh, well, did you hear that album? Oh yeah, it's great. Like right now, everyone's comparing Drake and Kanye. So yeah. it's um, and everybody who I'm following, like producers and engineers, are just like either bashing the production or the. You who know, do you like better? People. Um, I listen to both. I didn't really like have a good chance to listen to them. I'm not gonna say, but look, they're fucking both like an hour and a half long. Yeah, each. <laughs> it's just. Eh, eh. It's it's just lost to me. There's too many songs, and it's I, I'm not much of a like a hip hop guy. It's funny because I oh. mostly am mastering hip hop these days. But just for the the sake of like, well, let me hear like the two most hyped albums right now. What do they sound like? I mostly listen to it just to hear like the mm-hmm. the production. I wasn't really listening for like the actual songs. What genres do you like? Like listen to most of the time then? Um, I mostly listen to like what I'm uh the genres that I'm working in. So it's, it's mostly like pop and hip hop and, um, not much rock and yeah. Do rock do bands, do they get their stuff mixed and mastered also? Yeah. It's actually more common for, for like rock bands to actually go and outsource mastering. Cause you know, it's not just somebody in their bedroom producing like a beat where that you can easily mix and master. It's like, I, I used to do a whole bunch of like of the pop punk bands in in Seattle when I was first starting out, and oh man, that's that's not my vibe. But um, yeah, I mean, do you think most bands in Seattle are getting mastered or no? It's hard to say. I mean, so many people just leave their credit, like the album credits, out of like their posts. I'm always looking for that just to like see who is involved with what. Oh, like tag it. Yeah. Okay tags are just like you know it's super simple to say produced by at so-and-so mixed at, you know yeah um and I'm a, I'm a huge advocate for like that because all of us on the creative side and the production side like it's all word of mouth so that's kind of like unofficially word of mouth you're not really saying hey go to this guy but you're you're tagging you know your producer your engineer you're this or that anybody who who likes your song and like oh who did that who worked on that they can go and see that and it's like oh can't tell you how many people hit me up like oh uh, i heard what you did with so and so and i really like what you do like mm-hmm. uh, what are your rates and it's like thank you for tagging me yeah like, that's what i'm saying that's one of the big things i like to point out with the podcast like there's so many people behind the scenes that people don't think of yeah and that's that's kind of like been my whole like mission over the last few years is like okay let me find, let me try and find everybody I can and like follow them and like engage and like um, try and get involved with, with everyone behind the scenes. Cause I mean, what I'm trying to do at this point is I, I want to be the guy in Seattle for like mastering pop and hip hop. Um, took me many years to kind of find my place in, in the whole scene. Cause there's a lot of, there's big competition in the area. There's like three, three or four, like, mastering studios specifically who are just specialized so and they've been around since they've been around never? a lot longer than 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 i have like some of them like 20 plus years in seattle so it's we don't have the biggest music scene here so trying to like tap into a spe- specific like service that there's already like um very focused and, and reputable studios and then like everyone and their mom is doing mixing and mastering is a really tough battle to like right. how can I find my spot in the scene and I kind of um, you know I met Jake Crocker and that kind of opened doors to like other producers just like him it kind of opened up the hip hop scene I've been doing a lot of work with um, 
Milo Eubank from Lost Boys recording and um, here and there some stuff that Elon's worked on and, and things like that. So I'm trying to like keep growing that and get more involved with that side of the scene and kind of saying that I'm specializing in, in those categories. But in reality, I, I can master pretty much everything but like black metal right. <laughs> at this point. I can't. So that can mastering literally like make or break a song? Like can, if someone doesn't get that mastered and send it to a blog, is it not going to get noticed as much as if it's mastered? Or like how does that work? Depends. If it was done decently, then, you know, no one's going to know if it could have been mastered a little bit better. If if it, in the end, if it's coming out and it sounds good and there's no like f- fundamental flaws, then no one's going to know if it could have been better. But that's that's what I'm always telling people. It's like, you don't know if, you know, saving the whatever, 100 bucks or 50 bucks, whatever you're going to pay to go and um, have a specialized mastering engineer do it. Like, you don't know if you're saving that money and having your producer do it for free. You don't know if the results, if that's going to pay off. So I don't know. I mean, what I always say is invest in the quality of, of the product and, because um, you want it to sound the best it can, you know that songs that sound good stream well. Yeah. Do you see like a wealth gap between genres? And like, is a hip hop artist less likely that's up and coming going to be able to get their song mastered because of where they're coming from? Versus, like I used this with like the fluency interview, like someone coming from Central District versus an Anna Thompson who probably has the budget to get mixed yeah. and mastered? Budget is, I would say, the, the number one factor. But then, you know, you can make the argument. It's like, uh, I can't tell you how many people who, um, you know, I have, I have a lot of engineers and producers who are always wanting to send me stuff. But like, yeah, we want to send you more, but like just the clients just don't have the budget. And then then I go and like I look on, you know, the artist's Instagram and it's like, okay, well, that's why they don't have the budget. They're wearing like Gucci shoes and like, mm-hmm. you know, spending their money on flashy things and they have expensive cars. And it's like, yeah, of course you can't afford a hundred bucks a song to go outsource because you're spending $2,000 on a t shirt or something <laughs> like that. So, um, and that's not to say that there aren't people who are just like financially challenged and doing the right things, but. A lot of people are just being way too flashy. They they're trying to like hype it up and make it seem like they're they're big, but it's like they're not even spending the right money on their productions, and things just kind of like sound mediocre. Right. Um, so it's like spend the money on the song because that's going to live for eternity. Like your shoes and your shirt and jacket, like that'll come and go. That's yeah. kind of like I remember my favorite pair of shoes. I was like I was probably like in middle school. They're like the dopest shoes at the time. I was like, oh, fuck. So I get off the bus, and this girl behind me accidentally like flat tires me, and the entire like soul rips off. I'm like, fuck. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a it's a delicate balance because it's like, you know, image is a huge thing with, with the artist. So, you know, you want to put on the image that like, you know, if you want to be like a pop superstar, you got to yeah. kind of look at it, or if you want to be like... There's just no right answer. That's what's so annoying to me. Like people are think yeah. they know what the right answer is but realistically like even people in the industry aren't giving the other people like you actually need to do this or that yeah. don't do this so it's just everyone's just like doing whatever they think's going to work but half the time it's not the right time not not the right thing and i think uh the mainstream side of things has a lot of influence on that yeah so, you know you gotta stop comparing your situation to ariana grande yeah you know <laughs> like you're not gonna 
you're not going to get anywhere if you're trying to like duplicate what they're doing because they have millions of dollars and huge followings and like half the time the clothes they're wearing they didn't even buy it's like sponsors and things like that so don't try and look like your idols and and you know find the balance like make your music sound as good as it can and then like you know go to the damn goodwill you can find some good stuff there macklemore made yeah. that song for exactly a reason. <laughs> exactly so you know i always it's just it kills me because there's like so much music going on here and like i know that you know all of the people behind the scenes can just be like full of work and everybody can be in a good situation and there can be a good community but it's just it's a lot of like it's it's very separated. Yeah, we'll fix that. Yeah, I think I think so. it's not even a hope. I I, I know we'll fix it. it just yeah. takes time. Um, where do you see the music industry going in the next uh, five years? Any big changes in genres or whatever? Oh man, I hope it stays. I hope it stays the same. Um, the big thing that's kind of freaking me out is, um the whole like artificial intelligence movement that's happening with at least the behind the scenes stuff like yeah. mixing and mastering there's it, it's getting pretty big of like automated mastering services and things like that which you know it's always in the back of my mind like am i going to be replaced by a robot but it's crazy <laughs> yeah i mean those services were created for a specific market and it's like you know people who just need to constantly like you know batch master a whole bunch of like just basic stuff but anybody who's actually doing music is still using either a human or an, a specialized like mastering facility so i don't know i hope it stays the same um i hope technology uh helps it get better um we seem to be going down more and more of like the we're getting separated from mixing and mastering is just kind of everything's just meshing too much so I hope more people like myself and, and just say it, shit music is becoming more acceptable. <laughs> yeah. I, I hope more people just, you know, help ed educate up and coming artists on like the process and how it needs to be done. And because ultimately it's like, if the music stops sounding good, it's just like, Oh, Oh yeah. Well, what is some advice that you have for up and coming artists, creators, influencers, I think I'm just going to go back to kind of like the theme of what I've been talking about is question the process. Don't, don't let, if, if you're going to somebody to make an album or you're, you know, you're making music, don't just accept what gets sent to you. Like even, you know, you get that V1 master and it sounds better than the mix. Like, is that the best it could be? Like reference things, like question the process know the ins and outs like don't just accept what people send you and then from there like take that beautiful product that you have market that thing get your brand going like marketing 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 that's that's the thing if if you want to make it in this industry as a musician or even if you're trying to do the behind the scenes stuff like you have to have branding and marketing you have to have people want to come to you for something so dive into that as much as you would close and, and yes. all of that other junk that really just doesn't matter. <laughs> yes, sir. And what is the easiest way to reach you? Uh, my website or, I mean, I'm most active on, on Instagram at Matthew Wolk Mastering, Matthew with two T's. 
Uh, I'm on TikTok, but I can't really figure out my place on that <laughs> yet. So maybe eventually I'll have some presence there, but Instagram's kind of where I'm the most active. So hell yeah. This is the NAS podcast with Matthew Woke Mastering. And we did it.